Since iTunes only keeps the last 100 episodes of any show, some of our show topics that seem to help the most people are no longer available when people search on iTunes. So, in an effort to make that information available to more people, from time to time we're going to re-air some of our most popular show topics. You can also go to kickitnaturally.com and search for any topic in our search box. For now, enjoy this show that originally aired in 2014. T.C. Hill is not a doctor and does not claim to be a doctor or licensed in any type of medical field. Don't be an idiot and use anything heard on the show as medical advice. This information should be used for educational purposes only and you should contact your doctor for any medical advice. Now get off me. Welcome to Kick It Naturally. I'm Kenna McEnroe, and I'm here today with T.C. Hale, author, natural health expert, producer, my boss, a man, homo sapien. I feel like we've been gone like a month and a half. Oh, wow. It's been a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Back in the old days when we did that last podcast. Yeah. 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 Wow. So if this is your first time hearing us, I'm sorry. Uh, then you, uh, I, I'm just screwed up. It might up. be your last time. Yeah, it might be your last time. <laughs> I went into the wrong segment. I was supposed to introduce Will yeah, Hart to Toddy Schmidt. How could I forget that? Yeah. I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm just going to go. I'm fired. Uh, you guys can still be friends. Okay. So if you haven't liked us on Facebook, what is the holdup? Go ahead and pull over and like us at Kick It In The Nuts, and we're going to post topics there that we'll be doing on future shows, and you guys can post any questions you want us to cover. A lot of you guys ask questions this show. Yeah, you got a lot of questions. And if you like audiobooks, you're going to love our sponsor. Audible.com is giving away all our listeners a free audiobook of your choice and a free 30-day membership. Go to Kick It In The Nuts. <laughs> Go to kickitinthenuts.com forward slash audiobook to find the link so you can get yours. And uh, our book, Kick Your Fat in the Nuts, just came out on audiobook, so that could be the one you get for free. Oh, yeah. Okay. You can get another one if you want. You can get like a book about uh, ponies or something. They mm-hmm. have books about ponies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I, I'd rather you just got the one that, that we did. Yeah. Okay. We'll leave it up to them. Mm. So those are your two choices. Kick your fat in the nuts or something pertaining to ponies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. So today's topic is a big one. We had a lot of people out there uh, posing questions about today's topic. And today's topic is addictions. Are there natural solutions? Are there? Dun, 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 dun. I can't wait to find out. Mm-hmm. I hope I get to find out in this show. Yeah, we'll see I what we say and yeah. we'll go with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whatever we say is probably accurate. Golden. So I have a question. I mean, people always say, okay, it's in my family, a bunch of alcoholics, it's, it's hereditary, blah, 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 genetic and all that. How much of that is true and how much of that is garbage? I would say about 4% of that is true. Okay. Next. Yeah, next question. <laughs> I'm from a whole line of nymphomaniacs. So yeah, I just, yeah. You know. <laughs> um, no, I, I think that uh, we're going to kind of talk about some things that can, you know, because you hear about, oh, I'm a, I have a very addictive personality. Yeah. You, know, you hear people say that, and, and some people can get addicted to just about anything. You know, oh, I like the smell of paint drying, you know, mm, and now I'm like addicted drama. to that. Yeah, yeah drama. Um and other people don't get addicted to anything at all. And it's it's not really a personality issue. It's more of a body chemistry thing. So it's not genetic, but, you know, genetics are a factor in the direction in which a lot of body chemistry situations can lean or point or veer, you know, all that kind of stuff. So it's not like genetics don't matter at all. But, you know, the way that people talk about it, people feel like, oh, it's genetic, so I'm screwed with a capital F, and that's how it goes. And and 
and to me, that's fiction. Hmm. Okay. All right. Because I think that you know we've talked on a lot of shows that uh, just because genetics steered your chemistry in one direction doesn't mean that you can't take control and and correct issues that are going. So wrong. if you were born a crack baby, mm-hmm. then I mean, obviously you were addicted. And, well, but that's y- deeper than genetics. So yeah, but because like, the mom was using and stuff, right. and so you became addicted. But after that, I mean, how would you get off of that and not? get back on stuff later on in life you just would never do it <laughs> i wonder what the statistic is of how many crack babies can you know they turn it around or they end yeah, up that they're yeah. politicians now you know who, yeah. who, who knows if any former crack babies uh even have a, an mp3 player to listen to this i don't even it's know true. how that works mm. um but yeah so if you're born a crack baby all that good Juicy crack. I, I, don't, I guess I don't know how crack works. But the baby was getting that crack in the system, so it's just like they were doing it. Uh-huh. It's not like it. Like the, it was like predisposed or whatever. It was like they were doing crack. Right. So if by two o'clock, you know, by two years old, they're. Somebody's handing them crack, and huh. they're already, yeah, I don't know how that works. They come out there smoking a cigarette. Uh huh. Mm. Right. But we're going to explain why. Uh, people tend to be more addictive personalities and all that kind of stuff and things that you can do to either help uh, reduce that addiction or reduce the withdrawals that come with that and why they come. We should probably get right into questions and then maybe we'll stop talking about crack babies. All right, Daniel from San Joaquin Valley, California and Henry. What's the best way to reduce withdrawal symptoms when trying to quit something like alcohol? Mm. Done. Hmm. So one thing before we talk about all this is to understand that, you know, a lot of people are working with their doctors on a lot of the substances that they're addicted to, whether it be painkillers or, you know, any number of things. So don't take what we're saying and then just ignore whatever your doctor's saying. Your doctor is, you know, might have a plan for you and it's important not to just stop things that might be holding you together. So so don't be dumb in that regard. Just take this information to help you figure out which direction you want to research and figure out things that are appropriate for you, and then you can talk to your doctor about that. Mm-hmm. But when we look at the best way to reduce withdrawal symptoms from alcohol or really from anything is to look at what what is that substance doing for your body? What is it doing that makes you feel like you need it or makes it you might actually need it so will why don't we talk about some of the things that goes on with physiology that may make a person more addictive to almost anything really but um the most common things let's start with those yeah sure well starting with like alcohol we can we can look at um you can check this out in nutrition in your mind a really great book by george watson where he talks about uh how the less healthy someone's liver is and the less acetate it's creating, it's an energy source, or it's a fuel that your liver synthesizes from proteins and fats and turns into acetate. That's an energy source that your cells like to use. But if your liver isn't doing a good job of creating acetate, then when you drink alcohol, you get alcohol acetate directly. You can just turn that you can just use that as energy. So when people's liver function is kind of diminished and they're not processing fats well, they get a real high and a lot of energy and sort of come to life when they drink alcohol because they get that acetate that they were needing. 
So when someone and the more acetate that you drink, the sort of less your liver is going to like supply that. So maybe you start off with a fine level of it of acetate from your liver production, and then you drink for a long time, you diminish your liver stores because it doesn't want more than enough acetate. That's that's problematic. So your liver uh, will stop producing as much acetate, and you'll start to become more and more dependent on that fuel from alcohol. So when you're trying to come off of that, you're going to feel that energy dip and not having that direct supply of acetate anymore. So you'd want to really try to focus on improving your liver function. Uh, you can go through our free digestive issues course at kickinthenuts.com where we talk about beet flow and bile, and that's where you're really trying to work to get going is to get your liver to start uh, breaking down fats effectively again and making its own acetate. And the more that you can do that and support healthy liver function, the less craving you're going to feel for the energy that you get from alcohol. And then you also have to look at blood sugar stability and trying to eat in a way that will help produce more balanced blood sugar because dips in that will also create a sensation of an energy deficit and low energy. And craving for Yeah, a craving for energy. Raise blood sugar or thicken the blood yeah. in that, like in the way that alcohol can. Mm-hmm. So to back up a little bit, let's look at liver function for a second because, you know, the liver's its job is to remove things that come into the body that it views as toxic. And that's pretty much anything synthetic that comes into the body. So do you want to explain a little bit how uh, medications work with the liver so that people can understand how a liver can become overwhelmed. And when a liver is overwhelmed, then all the functions of the liver can be harmed, you know, brought down. Yeah, the liver is supposed to do something like 300 or more recognized functions, maybe more, they don't know. And when it's overwhelmed with any particular task, it has less time and available energy and resources and cellular function to deal with all those other things that it we... It needs like, to get an assistant. It needs an right. assistant, mm-hmm. yeah. Maybe so, an intern. Maybe mm-hmm. a kidney, in, like a second, a smaller <laughs> liver from like a mouse uh-huh. or something. Right. But when you're taking medications, your liver, like you said, sees that as some foreign invader and it tries to filter out as much of it as it can. So then the pharmaceutical industries know what the average sort of cl- like clearance, drug clearance, the liver can do in any set given amount of time. So they'll add just a bit more so that enough of the active ingredient in the drug gets into the bloodstream. So that means just enough to completely occupy the liver. Right, so it's almost like part of the dose, its only job is just to overwhelm the liver so that the liver can't remove all the drug because then the drug would become worthless. So that doesn't work. So they got to set it up in a way that the liver can be overwhelmed enough to keep some of the med in the body so it can do the job it was intended to do. Hmm. But that's also a great way to set up a liver to not function correctly and that's when um, if the liver can't do all of its jobs then a person that starts to drink alcohol which is going to make a liver function even less optimally but um, and they get that replacement of what the liver should have been doing with those acetate type situations Mm -hmm. so that's how we look at a lot of uh, addiction situations is that the body is not getting something that it needs or um, whatever you're addicted to has replaced that and restricted the body's ability to create that on its own. So when you stop, now the body has none of that. So let's look at simple uh, addictive tendencies. And what we see is 
a lot of you know you hear a lot about people saying well people that experience depression are more likely to be addictive personalities and that's how they connected and we're like well duh because we've talked about we have a episode on depression where we talk about the most common cause and the most common cause is of lack of mineral in the system so that signals cannot travel properly from the body to the brain and back to the body again because a lot of the signals travel through those minerals. So, Will, do you want to talk about how someone could have a lack of mineral in the body and how low blood pressure relates to that? And Yeah, so we usually use the term electrolyte deficient and we see that when anyone has a blood pressure that's typically below like 113 over 73. And if you go in your doctors and you have a blood pressure that's around there, they'll be like, oh, you're doing great. It's awesome. You're not going to have a heart attack. Yeah. Way to go. Good job. Right. And, and you can be at like 100 over you know, 60 and they'll be like, oh, you're, you're great. Uh-huh. You're golden. But you have all these other health problems of like low energy, weak stomach acids. So you have indigestion, constipation, depression, and anxiety. And why depression and anxiety? Like we put those together all the time when we're speaking, but they usually seem as separate. And it's because those same biochemical imbalances of not having enough electrolytes, which also translates to generally having very unstable blood sugar and just not a lot of resources to do stuff with, that your metabolism will be uh, usually like a what we call a suboxidized, like not making enough energy. And sometimes there'll be fluctuations between intense amounts of energy and no energy. So you have these hyper-hypoglycemic moments. Right, and that's all having to do with the sugar spikes and crashes. And and it's, yeah, and it's freaking out your nervous system because it knows your brain and your cells need a very, like, steady supply of glycogen and glucose to run on. So when you don't have that, it's going to put you in a panic mode because it doesn't want your brain to die. It wants it to always have fuel. So that can make you feel depressed and that low energy can also make you quite depressed because you're just, you don't have a lot of fuel to like feel good or go do things or like want to like make something of yourself or not able to work out hard. So you miss out on all these endorphins. You can't digest your food well. And there's just all sorts of internal problems your body's trying to deal with. So people will usually develop cravings and addictions based on what those things that they're craving or addicted to can do to help push their chemistry in the right direction. Like smoking can help push your blood pressure up and then all of a sudden people feel like awesome as soon as they have a cigarette when their blood pressure is low because now all of a sudden their vascular system is constricted and their blood pressure is up and they can think. Right. And so, again, understand that these are not the only causes of depression and anxiety. There are others that we talk about in our depression episode and in our uh, anxiety and panic attacks episode. But um, but this is, seems to be the most common cause. And, and a way to kind of view it is that uh, if a person has low minerals, they can buffer those minerals with higher blood sugar and the system will work fine. And if a person has low blood sugar, they can buffer those low sugars with higher minerals and the system will work fine. So a person doesn't need both a good amount of mineral and a good amount of sugar. They just need at least one of those to be working right. So what we find people to do when they have low mineral levels is that they'll crave sugar a lot and they'll live off of carbs and sugar um, because when they eat them, the sugars come up, they feel great, they can function. The only problem is a lot of times when you eat that much sugar or that many carbs, and it, your blood sugar spikes that high, insulin spikes, and then 
that crashes your blood sugar too low. So that's why people end up with like bipolar type uh, behavior because they're great when they have sugar, but when it crashes, um, they want to punch you in the ear hole. You know, there's a lot of stuff that can go into that, but that's a pretty common cause. So what we find with a lot of addictions is whatever the item is that they're addicted to, whether it be alcohol or smoking or some of these other things we're going to talk about, a lot of times these things are just lifting their blood pressure, whether it be with alcohol, sugar, or filth and chemicals or whatever it is. But if any of that, those things can lift blood pressure, all of a sudden the person can function. So when that starts to leave the system, now they can't function anymore. And they're like, oh, well, I need, I need more of that mm-hmm. crack or cigarette or whatever it was mm-hmm. that helps them to function. And a person can become addicted. Which is largely how antidepressant medications work and anti-anxiety medications work is they they alter your kidney function so you don't pee out your electrolytes as fast and, and that causes like that rise in electrolyte levels. So you think, okay, that's, that's awesome, but it's not actually like the way the body would like to do it because you're getting all that negative effect of the toxic impact of the drug on the liver and then you're you're also just not peeing out electrolytes that and other filth in your blood that your body would like to, it'd be better if you could improve your digestion and get more of the nutrients out of your food and keep everything flowing ideally as it should be filtering. Right. So if you've never heard one of our shows or, or any of our books or courses or anything like that, um, the the most common cause for someone not to have enough mineral in the system is that their digestion is not working well enough to fully break down the food and pull the mineral out of that food that you ate. People think that if they put food in and poop comes out that everything's working, but that's uh, very commonly not the case. So if someone has low blood pressure, it's it's pretty common that their digestion is not working well enough to pull the mineral out of the food they're eating. So of course, the mineral levels will be low. Y'all are just talking about me. Uh, that's why we're mm-hmm. looking at you mm-hmm. when we talk. Exactly. We should probably go to another question and we'll get more into this specifics of this stuff. Hi. Alright, Christopher, can nutrition supplements and balanced digestion eliminate cravings for addictive substances? What's the best and most general way to get the toxic byproducts of prescription medications out of the body? So this is a good point from Christopher. This is how we help a lot of clients that are trying to come off of some type of addiction is that you can use steps. Number one would always be to fix digestion if there is a problem there because, you know, supplements can help to lift blood pressure, to replace, you know, nutrients that are missing, but why not fix digestion so that you're doing that with everything you eat? Mm -hmm. Then everything you eat all of a sudden becomes a supplement. Yeah. And when you look at like the most, like the, the way to kind of like nurse or wean yourself off prescription meds, which we never tell people to do. It's up like for legal reasons. It's your own responsibility to sort that out with your doctor and certain medications. Like you can't just stop cold turkey. Like your, your physiology has been altered by them and stopping them like immediately would be life threatening. So you've got to understand what medication you're on. But the way I like to look at it, like in my own body, if I had an imbalance that I was taking a medication for, I would want to look at, all right, what is the the root cause of that imbalance? 
and then what can I do nutritionally to correct that imbalance so that this medication that I'm on is no longer appropriate for me? Right, it's no longer a need. Yeah, like if I was on a blood pressure lowering medication, I'd like, what am I doing in my diet and what, whatever else, my environment, my stress levels, that's causing this high blood pressure? And then take those steps to correct that, and then your your blood pressure lowering medication will pretty soon push your blood pressure too low, where it's no longer safe for you to stay on it. So then you'd have to talk to your doctor, like, hey, my blood pressure is like under 100 now. Can I come off this thing yet? Yeah, I'm dizzy right now. <laughs> right. I'm depressed. Right. And and so, so yeah, you want to qualify to come off of those. But as far as uh, can these steps make it easier to come off of an addictive substance? Absolutely, they can. Um, so what we want to look at first to make that happen for somebody, and if you are on something that you're addicted to, is to figure out, you know, what is it, what is it helping your body do? What is it replacing? And, um, anything like alcohol, uh, cigarette, smoke, sugar, all those things are helping to lift blood pressure in most cases. And that's how they're helping people function better. So to fix that, you can not only fix digestion, so you get more mineral in. Um, and you can learn how to do that in our free digestion course. And we have, other episodes where we really get into how to fix digestion. Like I think we did a two part show on it. So you can, you can listen to that to understand that we don't want to cover that a lot here, but, um, that is an important step. So don't skip it. But then uh, a lot of people, you know, you look at your blood pressure and if it's not high, you know, if it's not like 140 over 80 or something like that, you know that you could use some supplements that would help lift that blood pressure, help thicken that up a little bit. So that as you reduce the smoking or the drinking or whatever it is, um, it won't be such a shock to you. And we use things like L-phenanoline. Phenanoline. It's a tough one. It's an amino acid. Um, and L-glutamine is a very popular one that a lot of practitioners will use for addiction because it's great at raising blood pressure and helping to thicken the blood a little bit. Um I've talked to a lot of practitioners who will use as much as 10 to 15 grams of glutamine per day um, to help someone reduce their withdrawal symptoms because a lot of the withdrawal symptoms come from the body like, hey, I had something that was helping me and now I don't have it, so I'm way miserable. And so here comes a bunch of stuff that you're going to be dealing with, yeah. headaches and uh, all the fatigue and nausea and all that kind of stuff. Um, so if you can give the body something that it can really use, then it becomes a lot easier not to need that smoke or the drink or whatever it is. Um, but one thing that's important is to look at your own physiology to understand what supplement is going to help me the most and be most appropriate for me. So do you want to talk a little bit about anabolic and catabolic and how to understand if you have a horrible imbalance in one direction there and yeah. therefore you might not want to use glutamine? Yeah, if you're already too anabolic, then taking certain amino acids like glutamine would be problematic because it can push you to be even more anabolic, which can mess you up in lots of different ways. There's a lot of things that go into what we mean by the anabolic state. 
Um, but the ways you can kind of do a quick check to see in your case is if your urine pH is really high, you can test your urine pH with like urine with pH test strips you can get at Whole Foods or lots of different health food stores. And if it's over like 6.4, that's one indication of being too anabolic. Also, if you tend to pee a lot and be constipated or if you have to get up at night to pee a lot and you don't have like a lot of regular bowel movements, that's another sign that you might be too anabolic. Uh, and then another one is if you look on um, our on mybodyofknowledge.net forward slash self dash tests, you can see a video that shows a urine dipstick test. And if you do that test, you can see if your urine specific gravity is really low, like if it's under, if it's like 10 or lower, that's another really strong indication that you're too anabolic. So if you figure out where your body sits in relation to the anabolic catabolic state, you'll get a better idea of what supplements might be appropriate for you or not. So and you talk a lot about those in your books also. about Right. And uh, so if, if you don't understand what we're talking about here, well, most listeners probably do. But if you don't, you could either read one of the books or you can get or the free. Or you get audible.com. Yeah, you get yeah. the book for free. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, our free digestion course teaches and has videos that show you how to look at your physiology. But it can be important because... If you're constipated already and you start taking glutamine, it's gonna you're not gonna poop for a month. Yeah, you know that's gonna be it's gonna be a real problem. Um, so it is important to understand what to use because l phenanoline, we'll just call it L-phen, mm-hmm. um, is an amino acid that is uh, pro-catabolic, so it's anti-anabolic. So uh, what I do is if somebody's kind of okay balanced is and they're trying to lift blood pressure to come off of some sort of addiction is I'll have them use L-phenanoline in the morning uh, when a person should be more catabolic and then I'll let them use glutamine at night or in the afternoon when they should be more anabolic. So then they're kind of balancing themselves out a little bit and they're using both sides of the spectrum to lift their blood pressure and that seems to help a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're imbalanced in one direction already, you might do better just to use one or the other, mm-hmm. and you'll learn which one might be better for you by uh, taking the free course and figuring out where your actual physiology is. But these are easy steps that kind of help you cheat a little bit and and can uh, help improve that a lot. Another thing that we use is, um, you know, if somebody's not using sea salt, that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just minerals from the sea, and we, we need that. And we also use these drops that are called concentrate mineral drops that you can get on Amazon or probably just pretty much any Whole Foods, um, but it just drops you put in your water when you're drinking, and it's just you're just helping to lift the mineral level in your system a little bit and give your body what it's really needing, so it doesn't need this replacement of heroin or whatever you're right. And that you know that brings up a really important point. Like a lot of the times, you'll get recommendations for supplements. Oh, glutamine like helps people that are addicted to smoking, like. And they'll just run with that, you know. And if you don't look at your own chemistry, it may not work for you because you've got to look at where you sit in all these like, dynamic ways. And it's kind of complicated. And that's also why there's so many nutrition controversies and so much misinformation and so many 
real testimonies about things that worked for some people that totally mess up. And real testimonies from people where that screwed me over yeah. so much. And it's these other nuances you got to learn to pay attention to and then you can make sense of it. Right. And that's kind of what we're all about is that we feel it's so important not to treat your symptoms, not to take something that someone else used for a symptom and it worked for them. So you're going to use it. it it's more about looking at you and your physiology and then acting appropriately to improve that physiology. Mm -hmm. And um, the second part of Christopher's question, like a uh, best way and most gentle way to get toxic byproducts of prescription meds out of the body. Uh, well, the bile is the main pathway that toxins leave the body, you know, I ideally. You mm -hmm. know? So doing work to help get that going is, is really helpful. So we have our favorite standby of the beet flow product, which is an extract of concentrated extract of the greens that grow on beets that helps thin the bile so that it can flow well. And then also coffee enemas and coffee suppositories may be useful also if you have some sort of biliary stasis or bile that isn't flowing well because of constriction or blockage in the pathway that bile likes to flow through. So those can both help from like the front end and the back end of, of to help improve your bile flow. And that will really, really help get toxins out of the body. And, and that's a really big deal because anyone who is on a, a medication or they've been you know, smoking or doing drugs or drinking to, to an addictive level, their liver is trashed. Mm. I mean, it's been getting beat up for a while in most cases. And that overwhelmed liver uh, is usually going to result in bile that's not, it's too thick to flow correctly. And then once the bile is not moving, now, as the liver's filtering stuff out, it doesn't have an exit strategy to remove the filth from the body. So it ends up having to filter it out over and over again. And now this overwhelmed liver ends up having to do the same job 15 times. Mm -hmm. So it overwhelms it even more. So as someone comes off of a med and they're so toxic, um, getting that bile to move is a, a huge step in the right direction. Um, Drinking, you know, a little more water can be beneficial, but you need to see where your electrolytes are. Because if you already have low minerals and you're drinking all this water to help wash the toxins out of your body, you're also going to wash all the mineral out of your body. And then that brings mineral levels even lower. And now you're craving even more of whatever it is that you're missing. Mm -hmm. So it's important to know where you are. But when we look at withdrawals, like Chris is talking about, what helps get these toxins out of the body, it can take a while for a lot of people because, you know, every toxin cannot be stored in a fat cell or into tissues and stuff like that, but a lot of them can. And that's kind of what the body does. When you have this toxin that's coming in all the time, um, as it comes in, the body's like, oh, I know what to do with that. That's a toxin. I'm going to shove it in a fat cell or I'm going to store it in this tissue. You know, As it gets used to that, it becomes efficient at storing it that way. But its hope is that when the coast is clear, it will go back and pull this toxin out of the fat cell or wherever it stored it and it will put it back in the bloodstream so that it can be filtered through the liver and removed from the body. So that's kind of its plan. So let's say that you're um, drinking alcohol all the time. Let's say you have some pain pills too. Let's just have it be awesome. Party. So you're on pain pills and you're drinking and you say, I'm going to stop doing that. So when you stop doing that and those toxins are no longer coming in the body, the body's like, awesome. The coast is clear. I can remove some of this junk I've been storing for so long. 
and it'll dig into wherever it's storing and then that stuff can come back into the bloodstream and it almost feels like you're still on it or you're even more toxic than you were than you were as it was coming in because the body's starting to remove all this junk and that can be a lot of the withdrawal symptoms that happen a lot of that you know the nausea and the fatigue and all that stuff that's that's common that can be one possible cause for those withdrawal symptoms um so just helping the body remove junk can be great and that means putting in less junk so if you're you know you're eating all kinds of processed food and garbage and drinking soda and all this stuff um stopping all of that from coming in can be a great way to help your body handle what it needs to do so to the fasted the best way to help a body get all those toxins out like chris is asking is just to reduce the load that's coming in and improve the body's ability to remove junk so what i'm hearing from you guys you're hearing stuff, I'm hearing I thought stuff. You left. yeah yeah i was asleep i was just asleep with my eyes open um is that it's it's i mean it's got to be a mental thing too but it starts like with the physiology because you wouldn't if you didn't have these imbalances and stuff like that you probably would have never even you know tried it i mean you might have if you were a kid in school and you were trying to be cool or whatever mm-hmm. but that's kind of what led you there it's kind of like is it the chicken or the egg is it your brain or is it your body well you know we're all dumb kids and we'll all try stuff or whatever yeah. but you know the reason that one person gets addicted and the other is doesn't because of their physiology is most commonly physiology now we're not saying that mental aspects are not involved at all we're going to talk about that a little but bit it later helps in the when show you fix your problems physically then your mental can you know be clear right and, and the way that i always describe it is that you know life counts you know what happens in life is a factor it matters but when your physiology is in a place where your mental capacity is not as high as it should be um, and emotions are magnified, a problem that might be a two and very easy for you to deal with gets turned into a ten. Mm-hmm. So if you can fix the physiology, a lot of those life, mental, emotional, all those things that count um, that are very hard on you can become easier to deal with. You still have to deal with them, okay. but they become easier to deal with once you fix the physiology. Like even the drama can become addictive because you're like raising your blood pressure. So if right. you're creating all this tragedy or all this crazy drama and stuff, at least you feel like you're awake. Yeah. Right. You know? and, and you know those people who just flip out um, at the <laughs> I can do littlest it. thing. You have the ability <laughs> do to do that? I, can, I have the ability. But I'm an actress, so yeah, I love drama. So you're just acting yeah, when you do it. I'm acting. But... Um, you know, the, uh, subconsciously, people do realize that when they uh, freak out like that, they're pushing their body into this fight-or-flight state, and they're in the sympathetic state, mm-hmm. and that constricts the vascular system and lifts their blood pressure, and, hey, I can think now. Mm-hmm. So they kind of learn that I can only think properly if I'm flipping mm-hmm. out. Yeah. And when it's it's really interesting when you get to take a really close look at someone's chemistry and see their particular addictions. They make a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. I had one client who's super committed to like an organic lifestyle and vegan and is drinking alkaline water and all this stuff. Not I'm not saying any of that is good. Right? <laughs> I'm just saying that's what doing what he thinks is that's good. what he was doing, creating these different imbalances in his case. And he's like, you know, I'm really committed to all that, but every now and then, like once or twice a week, I just have to have a Coke. 
Coca-Cola. I have to. And, and like when you look at it, he had low blood pressure. He was an insanely slow oxidizer. Like his breath rate was like four breaths a minute. It should be around 15 to 17. Um, and so it's low blood pressure, way too alkaline and, and a slow oxidizer. So you look at what is a Coke? It's like sugar and caffeine, and sodium and carbon dioxide. So it's like, acidifies his blood, raises his blood pressure, gives him a quick-acting sugar. It was like perfect to push him in the right direction. Not that Coca-Cola was the best solution for yeah, him. Yeah, but if he was healthy all the other times, I mean, what would one or two Well, Cokes I don't know eat? if I'd call it healthy. Like he was, try- he was eating what he thought was healthy. Oh, okay, He had all okay, these okay, imbalances. Okay, yeah, but but he, he wasn't could, eating correctly for his imbalances. Right. Yeah. And you could see how Coca-Cola pushed a lot of the parameters in the right direction. Of course, Coca-Cola has all these other weird chemicals and yeah. phosphoric acid, which kills all your flora and all this stuff. But when you get to the bottom, like, why did he need a Coke so bad? It's like, oh, it's really clear. So when you push your chemistry there the right way, then he has sustained balance and doesn't have to have the toxic things from Coke. So a lot of the people, it's not like their personality is just, I'm just addicted to that man. Mm -hmm. It's that they've found something to self-medicate with and it's working for them. So it's very difficult to stop using that because the body remembers, hey, that helped. Let's do that again. Well, I mean, everything about my life is making sense now. I mean, I remember being depressed at four, and that's when I started eating and gaining weight. You know, mm-hmm. so it was like I had these imbalances since then. Mm-hmm. You know, I was I, I didn't check my blood pressure till I started working with Tony, but I probably had low blood pressure my whole life and didn't even know it. Mm-hmm. Right, and that's why, you know, you look at the factors like uh, why do I gain weight when I quit smoking? And it's because that smoking... Uh, which we have an episode on smoking if you need that. Um, but that smoking was lifting your blood pressure. Not only, mm-hmm. you know, not only is the nicotine addictive, but the tar in there thickens blood and uh, all the chemicals constrict the vascular system. So when you stop smoking and blood pressure drops so much, then a person realizes, oh, sugar can fix that. I'm going to start eating all kinds of junk mm-hmm. and carbs and, and they gain weight. So they just, got rid of one self-medication for another when what they really needed to do was fix the physiology so the body's getting the nutrition and everything that it needs to function and then they don't need either of those things we better cover more questions oh yeah all right valerie opiates shauna how to get back to normal after opiates for pain addiction jeff how to get off suboxone which is a med they give to you to get and stay off of opiates. Ironic, huh? And then Shauna again. I'd like to know how to reverse the effects of opiate addiction. I know opiate addictions deplete the body of a lot of things and change it drastically. How do you get them back after quitting? Well, one thing to look at, um, you know, with any type of opiates, like heroin and a lot of these other things, is that they're kind of boosting the neurotransmitters. Um, so y- you think about that um, when someone uses some kind of drug like this, it can uh, it can release two to ten times the amount of dopamine that natural body would. So if you think about that, you know, there's neurotransmitters like dopamine, serotonin, GABA, stuff like that that kind of help the body feel better when it's in pain or help lift spirits and all this kind of stuff. And uh, these drugs supply two to ten times the amount that the body would. So the person can really feel better. But just like if the radio in your car is way too high of a volume, uh, you turn it down. 
So when the volume of these neurotransmitters is so high, the body will turn down the amount that it makes. So then a person comes off of these opiates and now they got nothing. So that can be part of what is makes it so hard to come off of them or the withdrawals to be so severe and there's, you know, extreme fatigue, all that kind of stuff. They feel lousy, they're depressed, headaches, all that. So giving your body more resources to function correctly can be a way to help make that a little bit easier. It doesn't mean it's going to make it a breeze or it's going to be nothing. It still may be difficult, but it still goes back to all these things of the best way to make any of these withdrawal situations easier is to give the body more of what it really needs and it'll realize, oh, I can use this in place of all that other junk that was coming in and it kind of makes it happen a little better. But then if you have a slip up or a fall and you get it back in your system, then it remembers it and goes, oh yeah, you were my best friend. I forgot about you. Right. So I think later we have a question about rehab and you know what rehab does is it Okay, you're locked in a closet and you don't have access to anything. Sorry about your luck. Hope you don't scratch your eyes out and we'll see you in a couple of weeks. And uh, I'm not saying that rehab is not effective. I think it can be, but it's kind of forcing the person's body to forget that it can use that. So then the cravings for that substance go away. They heal. Everything's better. They leave somebody slips them a mickey or you know something they accidentally get another dose and they're right back to where they were i mean exactly right back to that same addiction your addiction progresses they say right so that's why that i feel that's not the most optimum correction uh it's great to yes get away from whatever the addictive substance is so the body will forget and with a lot of substances you know, like sugar and alcohol and stuff like that it can be eight ten days and the person will start, the body will start to forget that it needs that. Um, but if you give the body what it was missing in the first place, then you could really repair that addiction. And there's a couple other resources people can check out. Ones that I would like to go into deeper. One of our favorite scientists, Dr. Emmanuel Ravici, had a lot of success getting people off of opiates and heroin and alcohol and all sorts of addictive chemicals is sort of like a side project in his very long illustrious career as a physician and you can read about him like some testimonies from clients and other doctors that were working in his clinic they'd be making the rounds to heroin addicts that had checked themselves in and be like day two off heroin and they'd be like how you feeling i'm fine thanks for asking they were just fine <laughs> they didn't they had no withdrawals and they were just fine because Ravici understood what was happening. There's something like with the metabolites of heroin that were um, basically causing the cells to suffocate. So Ravici had invented like over a hundred different sort of holistically minded medications that could chelate to these these free radicals from the heroin and allow the cells to get the oxygen that they needed, which was one of the most intense metabolic. Uh, symptoms of heroin withdrawal. So there is still the Ravici Institute in New York, and you can find them if you do a Google search. I've been in contact with them a little bit uh, in relation to a client that was dealing with something similar to this. Um, but they are a potential resource, as well as um, there's a lot of popularity and success with Iboga clinics, which is this... What? 
Iboga clinics, which are popular and legal. In, Ebola in, No, Iboga. <laughs> okay. I-B-O-G-A. But they're very popular in Canada and Mexico and also, I think, in Europe as well. Um, and it's most renowned uses for getting people off of addictive substances, including heroin and alcohol and cigarettes and all that. But it's um, it's actually a psychedelic plant medicine that's been in use for thousands of years in Africa, and they use it in ceremonies to make like life spiritual progressions, but they've had a lot of success with addicts at Iboga clinics. It's intense, though. I had a client who recently just did it, and he came back and started having seizures. It's not like oh. something to play around with and just do with your friends or whatever. It's like a clinic with doctors you should go to for right. real and have supervision. But they have a lot of success with with um, heroin addicts, as all sorts of addicts. So Iboga is another resource that works in a different way than like Ravici's approach, but they're both interesting. And, and I want to hit on Shauna's question a little bit is, you know, cause you, you hear about all of the nutrients that a lot of these drugs, uh, cause deficiencies with. And, and it's not that they're, these drugs are pushing those nutrients out of your body. It's that your body uses these nutrients to kind of attach to the toxins and help them be removed from the body safely. So if you're on these drugs a lot, you do become deficient in these things like, you know, vitamin C and a, and a lot of other things. So it is good to use things like that can provide more nutrients while you're trying to detox. Yeah. And there's um online too, I think there's usually a regularly updated nutrient or drug induced nutrient deficiency handbook because they know what particular nutrients these drugs chelate or or destroy or use up in your body. So right. you can look up your medication on that and be like, oh, I should supplement with like CoQ10, vitamin C, this. Right. And one thing I like to have people do is, you know, bone broth is really great uh, and nobody does it anymore. Our grandmas did it. They, you know, every everything from the carcass was used in a soup or something. And when you cook bones, you know, all that, all the nutrients in the bone marrow and all the joint collagen and all, all that stuff it comes into the liquid and then you get to get all of those nutrients that are really hard to get from other sources so when you're in a situation where you know you're depleted of all these nutrients making some bone broth is a great way to replenish a lot of things so when i have clients that are trying to come off of something like this I'll have them use bone broth while they're doing other supplements and fixing digestion just to kind of boost the amount of nutrients that are coming into the body so that the body is starting to get more of what it needs and it can calm down and not need the junk so much. Wow. Cool. All right, Bob, try an Epsom salts Epsom salts bath for 45 minutes or longer, then a magnesium oil massage. You'll sleep like a baby. This should be done just before bed. The magnesium and the sulfate will help in the short term for alcohol and drug addiction, sore muscles, bruises, etc. Magnesium is a muscle calming substance as an substance and is commonly found in the hospital emergency room. So we have to kind of talk about this because I, I like what Bob is saying because he was talking about withdrawal situations and an Epsom salt bath is a great way to pull a lot of toxins out of the body through the skin. So now um, the liver and the kidneys are not responsible for all of the junk that's trying to come out. You can kind of pull some out through the skin. The problem that Bob may not know is that Epsom salt also pulls a lot of minerals out through the skin. So if a person is addicted already because of low mineral stuff, an Epsom salt can 
you know, magnify that, which is why I really like what he's saying about doing the magnesium oil, because now you're kind of pushing some mineral back into the body afterwards through the skin, the same way you, you pulled it out. So I, I do like that, but if a person's going to do that, I also want them to do other mineral drops to replenish more mineral that's being pulled out too. So I'm okay with Epsom salt baths as long as you're taking steps to replenish more mineral. And um, magnesium is also like an interesting one where it does like help relax muscles, but it's also a pro-catabolic mineral. Right, so people use it wrong so much. Yeah, so your body should go through this natural ebb and flow of being more catabolic in the morning and more anabolic in the evening. So using a magnesium bath at night is going to push your body into more of a catabolic state. So although it may feel like your muscles relax more, you might not get the kind of quality sleep that you're looking for and you might interrupt your circadian rhythm. Right, and the reason that they get confused about that is because so many people have insomnia or issues due to a lack of mineral. So when you give them magnesium, even at night, they're getting the mineral that they need to, now the body has resources and they can sleep. They were probably way too anabolic in the first place, so it's just kind of balancing them out. But if you give magnesium to someone who has insomnia because they're too catabolic already, you just wrecked them. They hate you now. Yeah, they'll be in even more of a fight-or-flight state. <laughs> and, and more insomnia, yeah. So, um, but that's a whole different episode. Yeah. That's the insomnia episode. Yeah, go mm-hmm. back to that. That's the next one you have to listen to. All right, Simon from Watamaw, Victoria, Australia. Cigarettes, Diago. Tobacco. Yeah, and we, we kind of covered that a little bit already. So We have a quit smoking episode. Yeah, right? we do have a quit smoking episode, but just understand that it does make sense that if your blood pressure is low, and the trick is is that a smoker may check their blood pressure, and it's 130 over 70, so like, it's not low. These guys don't know what they're talking about. It's perfect. But the reason it's perfect you're smoking cigarettes is because you have yeah. filth in your blood. Right. And if you stop smoking, it would probably go down to about 105. So you know that if it's perfect yet you're on a drug that's you know lifting blood pressure or you're always eating sugar or something like that then you know that you can do steps to lift blood pressure as you come off of that and then it'll stay more balanced you know i know the grass is always greener but it seems like we talk about anabolic and electrolyte deficient more than catabolic so i guess that's probably the worst imbalance no, no. like if you're diabetic like you're almost always going to be catabolic oh, so okay. you know, for all the people that are overweight with high blood sugar and high blood pressure and there's a lot of them mm-hmm. that's 50% of the population yeah yeah and and it's they both suck, but the thing is that both states are appropriate. That's what needs yeah. to be understood. It just needs to be we, in the right time. We want both of them to happen, but we don't want to be stuck in just one state. That's when trouble comes. All right. Anthony from Foster, Rhode Island, developed an eating disorder from prepping food, reaching extremely low body fat. How do you cure that? I'm guessing he works as a cook. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know what you're saying, Anthony, about prepping food, but if you were... Uh, you know, if it was a eating disorder type situation, um, then that's every one of Will's clients, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah most of my clients are, are unusual compared to the general population. Uh-huh, but um, but that's the same situation, and you should listen to our eating disorders episode. And but it's the same situation of where uh, the person doesn't have the resources for the brain to function correctly, and and they can either feel like I need to eat all this junk to fix it, or they get to the point where they feel like I should starve myself, and it's a good idea. 
And that just has a lot to do with uh, resources not allowing the brain to function correctly. Yeah. And with like, if you are getting like super low body fat, I'm, I'm guessing what he means by this developing eaters sort of from prepping food. Maybe he got grossed out by a bunch of foods and he just didn't want to eat them anymore. So now he's really underweight. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, yeah, making, I'm sorry, Anthony, that we're just making up what I, you're I talking just, about. Yeah, I'm not sure what totally eating up. disorder you got from prepping food, but, um, if you are very underweight and you're trying to gain weight back, it's really important to know you you should definitely take steps to try to repower your digestion because once you're really underweight, your body doesn't have a lot of the the resources it needs to make digestion work right. Like it doesn't, it usually doesn't make enough stomach acid. The biofilm may be really congested, so you should take our free digestion issues course to. Uh, to try to get those systems going again. Because if you just start trying to eat a lot more, but your digestion's still really weak, you may just be like I was for decades where I was just like constipated and had acne and was super, super skinny even though I was eating like 5,000 calories a day. Right. And now look at him. Right. Mm. And, and know that we we cover all, you know, most of the eating disorders in our eating disorders episode. So listen to that. And no matter which one you were asking about, you're probably going to hear something that'll help. All right. Susie from Ocala, Florida. Sweets. Jeff from Cincinnati, Ohio. And Eric. Sugar. Melanie, how to get over addiction to sugar. And Sherry from Collinswood, New Jersey. Sugar. Stinking sugar. Allison. Yep. Sugar. Hmm. A lot of people love sugar. Yeah. And, and you know what? I mean, it makes sense because, I mean, it's kind of like, okay, a druggy that's kind of bad, an alcoholic, but, but everybody can eat. You you're know allowed. what I mean? Yeah, you're allowed to eat. It's so legal. you can kind of hide it. Well, your body won't hide it. Eventually it'll show. <laughs> but I'm saying, you know, you can kind of get away with that more than like, oh, I just did heroin. Uh, time to go to work. But I would say it's the biggest addiction yeah. that there is. Because it's accepted more. Right. And it's accessible. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it works cheap. On- more receptors in your brain too. Like I saw some I Facebook posts. I saw that too, like where it lights up Coke more than an actual drug. Dopamine and then sugar was like three different yeah. reward synapses. And and that's interesting because a lot of the drugs like amphetamines and and psychedelics and stuff like that, a lot of them, one of the functions is they increase the sugar release in the bloodstream. So it's almost they're like they're giving you a sugar rush too mm-hmm. as one of the mechanisms that they work on. And plus, you know, the other thing with sugar is that you're not going to give a three-year-old amphetamines, but mm-hmm. every three-year-old is going to have an ice cream cone. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of introduced to all of us to where I, you know, I've never had anybody offer me amphetamines. Oh, you would you like one? Yeah, it's so rude, Kim. Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. Pass them all out in the skip, Tony. So, so what happens is that someone with this addictive personality, a lot of them would never try any of these drugs because they just feel it's wrong or whatever reason. They just never try them. But everybody tries sugar at some point, mm-hmm. pretty much. So, and that's basically what alcohol is. Right, sugar. It's just liquid sugar. So that's mm-hmm. even worse. So, this is something. But you know, the thing is that people feel like. This is me. I'm just a chocoholic. I'm a sugar addict. And it's just, it's not true at all. Um, and I've seen the worst sugar addicts on the planet be able to turn this around and, and not need it anymore. So if you take steps to give your body what it really needs, it, it'll stop screaming for the sugar. All right. And, and that, that, oh. that was a really 
Just on, we've probably had four different episodes where that was the whole topic for the entire show. Sugar. So yeah, sugar. know that we have a, we have the binging episode and all mm. that kind of cravings. Yeah. Um, so listen to those if you need help with that. But just know that that is a problem that people were fixing all the time. Yeah, the base of it. Um, I think a lot of like just sum up what we would say in those episodes is. You can't just cut it out and not mm-hmm. replace it with oh other nutrients. Right? So, yeah, I see everybody. Yeah. So, if you just try to go on and, like, I used to. It's not a willpower thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I used to host these no sugar, or help host these no sugar groups this other woman was running. And people were like, I mean, such a hard time not eating sugar. <laughs> but that's mostly, usually, because their digestion is too weak to properly process proteins and fats, which your body can make all the blood sugar needs out of in a very stable way. So when you replace, when you empower your digestion and get those nutrients in in abundance, you just don't crave sugar because your blood sugar is level. So I have a blog post about that too, Overcoming Sugar Addiction. Where would I find that, Will? You can go to mybodyofknowledge.net, but there's a little video and then some steps and a link to the Digestion Issues course. and only to those trace mineral drops you're talking right. about. So, so there's a reason when somebody can't stop eating sugar. It's because it's the only thing their body can process in a lot of cases. Yeah. So you you fix the body so that it can process other foods, and all of a sudden you're golden. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Like Pony Boy. And I eat my feelings. I hear was, you, Anne. <laughs> was that our first outs? What was the name of the movie? Oh, the Outsiders. Yeah. Was that our first Outsiders I reference? So. I think I so. Oh, yeah. So that's. That's why Anne feels like she eats her feelings is because when emotions raise or stressed yeah. or all that kind of stuff, you learn that eating sugar or all this stuff makes you feel better. So you associate it with the feeling and not what is actually happening with your body. Right. Why you have that feeling. But you can fix that by giving your body what it needs and then you don't need that. Mm-hmm. Mm. Anna, I seriously thought I was a carb addict before reading your book. Now I barely have carbs and have no sugar and I'm doing great. Almost one month now. So that's someone who's taken the right steps. And she, Anna shows up in our support group a lot on Facebook and asks questions, but I know that she's taken the right steps to, to fix that. So it's not that Anna has a better willpower than Anne. It's that Anna has been using knowledge that Anne didn't have and all the other folks that mention the sugar. So if you now have the knowledge, you get to do it and you can hang with the cool kids. Hmm. Hillary from Moorhead, Minnesota. Pop or soda? Man, am I addicted. I kick cigs and booze out of my life, but that pop is hard. Right. It's the same thing. So Will talked earlier about how soda, you know, the uh, soda has this syrup in it that is made to thicken it up so that it stays on the tongue and longer and you taste that longer and enjoy it and all that kind of stuff. And that syrup can thicken the blood too. So it's not only just the chemicals and the sugars, but the syrup can thicken blood and raise blood pressure so now a person can function. So in order to get rid of the soda, you have to take steps like sea salt, mineral drops, fixing digestion to raise your blood pressure to a proper level. And then after eight days of being off of soda, you'll be fine. Yeah. And there are potentially some good aspects in, of your that oh, soda can help yeah. with your chemistry. And we have a few of these recipes coming out in our cookbook soon. Because um, like for me, like my bloodstream, because I over-alkalize for years, tends to drift to alkaline. So carbonation is actually really helpful. One of our favorite biochemists, Ray Pete, has some other really great articles on CO2 and, it's, and how it's useful. Um, so you can get a, uh, a soda stream at your, like you can get at Target for like 
90 bucks or something and make your own soda at home. You can like super carbonate it. You can add trace mineral drops to it. You can even add like, stevia? yeah, fla- you can add flavored liquid stevia. flavored stevia. There's like root beer ones or orange Ooh. sweet blossom Ooh. or vanilla or whatever. So you can make these delicious high mineral content, very clean, highly carbonated beverages that could be super good for your chemistry, depending on where right. it's Right, and, and the way that you figure that out is by t- testing your breath rate and breath hold time, and you can get a sense of whether your blood is leaning too alkaline or, or too acidic. And it's, it, and it's important to understand which one you are, because like Will's clients, you know, if your blood is too alkaline, oxygen can't get to where it needs, and that's going to cause a lot of problems with energy and a lot of other issues. Um, but if your blood pressure is low and you're leaning too alkaline, soda is, is fixes almost everything. Yeah. So what you can do is use soda water and then use other things to thicken the blood and all of a sudden you replaced it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Here we go. Amber from Clare, Michigan. Woo-woo, Amber. Woo-hoo. At what point can a healthy addiction become unhealthy? Say, for example, exercise. Or if you have unhealthy eating habits, can you become addicted to a healthy food? Amen. I'm addicted to the gym and working out. Oh, gold star. I thought you were saying that Amber ended her sentence with amen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like Amber said what? Amen. <laughs> amen. Um, yeah, so I, I think it's possible. And, you know, there's a lot of chemical reactions that come from working out and endorphins and all this great stuff. And so, sure, you could get addicted to that. Um, but as long as you don't overdo it, it's not like the addiction is a bad thing. You know, you're giving your body benefit. But... When you're working out so much that you're depleting resources that are already depleted or you're pushing your body too far into a catabolic state. You know, I talk about all these uh, imbalances in my book and, uh, and you know, when is too much too much. So it's possible to do that, but um, generally speaking, it's not always – not all addictions are bad. If you have low blood pressure and you're addicted to sea salt, then – you're just you're using something to benefit yeah Yeah. good job Mm -hmm. and like will was saying he has that client that thinks he's eating healthy all the time although they may not be for your your imbalance so if you think you're eating healthy but you have no idea what's wrong with you or your imbalances so you may be like aggravating it and all this time you've been eating kale Mm -hmm. you know and you're like oh gosh i've been doing great right so like like a hard-boiled egg is all is almost the perfect food if you can digest it but it does have a, a bit of a pro-catabolic effect to it. So if someone is super catabolic and they're falling apart at the cellular level and they're addicted to hard-boiled eggs, then yeah, Amber, a healthy food could become a problem if it's creating an imbalance. But that's kind of an extreme that's not going to be very common. And yeah, normally you wouldn't crave the food if it was pushing Causing in the wrong direction. Like people usually crave the foods that they really need, like whether it's like super fatty like butter, butter or something like that yeah. or salt it's because like, oh your body actually really needs them they really need pastries yeah you people will rarely crave a food that's bad for them unless they're misunderstanding it or for example like green juice like people would like drink all of them all the time or like fruit juice and they do feel better because they're on this like juice cleanse or whatever and their their blood sugar is like super high but they're really just missing the whole boat of like how to actually create balance right and to clarify what will says that you know just because you're craving something doesn't mean it's good for you it it could mean that your body is using something in that food to replace what it really needs like Mm -hmm. sugar so if you're if you're craving chubby hubby ice cream that doesn't mean your body needs chubby hubby ice cream it means that 
minerals and nutrients or sugar is low and your body can use the sugar or something else in that ice cream to replace what it really needs. Mm -hmm. So that doesn't mean it's good for you. It just means that it can use it in this in this scenario mm -hmm. in, a, in a pinch. Right. I have a another post called What's Wrong with the Master Cleanse where it talks about yeah. like people, like they feel so high and so great when they do the Master Cleanse or juice cleanses. And it's really just because they're just allowing themselves to completely thrive off of sugar and avoid all their digestive weaknesses for a while, which has definite negative mid and long term effects. Yeah, I did it for nine hours and I started hallucinating. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so let's look back at, at and wrap up kind of what we need to do. Um, I know we we covered Cynthia's question already on rehab. So, um, so let's just say, Will, that someone is addicted to something. Um, what is the first step that they should take? I th the first thing I think they should do is go through our free digestive issues course, and in that you'll learn like how to start fixing your digestion and how to assess your own body chemistry to see what imbalances are present. And you'll start to learn like what steps you can take to fix both of those things. And that's going to be the foundation of getting your body able to have the nutrients that it needs so it no longer needs whatever it was getting out of that drug or medication. Right. So, And it's an important step because we, we don't want to recommend, hey, people use glutamine to fix addiction because, like we said, that could not be – that might not be the right step for you. So it's really important to figure out what the right step is for you because not only will you not make things worse for yourself by exacerbating an imbalance – but you don't got to try 30 different things like you're playing on a dartboard or something. You get to look, okay, what does my body need? What will help that? And now I can do that. And you get it right, you know, the first or second time. Mm -hmm. So that's an important step. But if you can figure out your physiology, then there's a lot of things you can do to make the withdrawal or the removal of the whatever you're dealing with just so much easier. And don't leave out giving your body nutrients like, you know, the bone broth and improving digestion and all that kind of stuff because that's what's going to make your body stop screaming for whatever the junk was that you were putting in there. Yeah, so, I mean, we're all snowflakes. Everybody's different. So learning about your own imbalances and how to self-test and stuff at your four-week digestion course at kickitinthats.com, then, you know, then you know what you need, not what right. your not sister what's popular, needs. Yeah. yeah. Not exactly. what the cool kids are using. And, exactly. And I would say, like, there, we didn't hardly at all talk about the mentally emotional sides of addiction. We really didn't. But Oops. yeah. But what what I would say, like, there are excellent people to find that can help you on that side of things. But even just this one client I have right now, who's getting off alcohol, she's like, she's thriving. It's three weeks off. She's glowing. She's lost all this weight, and she she barely. She started going to AA for it, and now she only goes to try to like share recipes with people because, and she doesn't really want to go often because it's depressing. It feels like a negative vibe there, yeah. and there's this like mentality that you're always going to be addicted, uh -huh. and now your new addiction is going to meetings. And she's like, "This is <laughs> yeah. not my thing." So she's really only going there to try to like help some of the friends that she made uh, get off of it because she's attacked the issue by looking at all the things in her body. And as 
made great strides in fixing it and doesn't crave alcohol at all anymore. Yeah, I mean, I've pretty much been to every A, A, N, A, all those A's. All the A's. All the A's. Did all the A's. And um, one thing it made me want to do was get drunk because it was just depressing, negative stories. You know, I mean, it didn't offer really any solutions except to stop. And like you said, if you just stop cold turkey on something, but you're not giving your body what it needs, then you're just going to start screaming for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, one thing that it does, and anything like that, or even just I mean, working with a, good. a therapist, support. Is, is support. Yeah. It's a really big deal to to be able to find support or get support when you're doing something this of this magnitude. But um, more importantly to understand is that uh, you're not a freak. It's not like, mm-hmm. what's wrong with me? Why, why don't I have any willpower? If you can understand that it's uh, issues in your physiology that are creating this addiction and you can believe that that can be a fact, then you, it, it just empowers you to know that, oh, I can do something about it. I'm not stuck like this. I can take steps to fix it. And that can kind of empower you to uh, do the work because you'll have to do the work. But at least you feel like, oh, I'm not just stuck going to a meeting to try and lift my willpower. I can do something so that I can use less willpower to get the same result. Yep. All right. Today's show is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at kickitinthenuts.com. Oh, God, I keep doing that. Kickitinthenuts.com forward slash audiobook. Over 150,000 titles to choose from on your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. And if you want to learn more about how to look at your own body chemistry, you can read any of Tony's books or take the free four-week digestion course at kickitinthenuts.com. Or you can swing over to Will's website, mybodyknowledge.net, and he's got a lot of great stuff on there, too. You know what? All 11 of our listeners are awesome. <laughs> you guys are awesome because we've been getting a lot of reviews on uh, on iTunes, and we really appreciate it because that really brings that raises us up on the popularity charts and stuff, and then more people get to... Uh, hear us and stuff. So um, if you heard something that you liked, go over to iTunes and leave us a review. A lot of you guys are really helping us out a lot. All right. Later. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.